since 1860, there has been very little change in any formatting of the Bible. The readable Bible is the first Bible to be completely formatted in what is normal in today's communication, in today's printed literature. Hey there, I'm Victoria, a certified Christian life coach, author, motivational speaker, and university educator, and I am obsessed with helping you navigate through life's ups and downs so that you can live day by day in God's peace despite the many external demands on your time and energy. The Choose to Think Inspirational podcast is about the delicate dance between God transforming you from the inside out and your personal responsibility for change, maturity, and refinement as a Christ follower. On the show, I'll help you connect the between your faith and your life in practical, meaningful ways while giving God room to do what only He can do and so that you can shine your light for Christ and be better equipped to serve your family and help others around you. You can change every area of your life one thought at a time. Welcome back to the Choose to Think Inspirational Podcast Brain Changer. Let's dive in. everybody and welcome back to the choose to think inspirational podcast you're in for a treat today we have rod laughlin on the show he's the founder and team leader of the readable bible the readable bible is a word-for-word translation that presents the text in modern formats and translates it as we speak today this unique formatting reveals concepts in scripture that you may not have noticed or understood before, helping you grow even closer to God. Rod got the idea when he was looking for a book to read in an airport airport bookstore, and I'm going to stop there because he's going to share that experience with you on the show. I want to mention some of the key features in the readable Bible. He also talks about some of these. You'll see genealogy shown as family trees, census and numerical data and tables and charts, law code and outline format, building designs as tables and manuals, lists and callouts highlighted, cascading text for long passages, songs, and poems, and correspondence and proclamation and parchment images, as well as maps and tables, key to text, timelines that are such as the breakdown of two days before Jesus was crucified. That's just an example. Let me tell you a little bit about Rod. Rod Laughlin became a Christian when he was 28 years old. Desiring to know more about the Bible, he earned an MDIV at a Master's in Divinity at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. After serving the Lord as the pastor of two churches and in many other ways for 37 years, he sensed God's call to put the Bible into modern formats. He spent the last 14 years leading a team to create the readable Bible. Over 100 people have worked with him on this project. In the interview, I wanted to bring some a little bit of skepticism to the table from the very beginning and from the get-go. As an apologetic defense of your Bible, you know, we base everything. This ministry is based on the Word of God, and we consider the Word of God our truth source, our source of truth. In other words, it's not just my opinion. It's not what I think about this or how I think things should be, but we filter everything through the Bible. Even the seven R's that I teach for taking your thoughts captive and for living your best thought life, there's one step in that seven R series, those steps where you replace the lie, the toxic thought, the thought that leads you in a bad way, where you 
you replace that with what God says about you, what God says about himself and what he says about your situation. And how do you know what God says? Well, you got to know the Bible. You got to read your Bible. Replacement thoughts are often scripture or Bible verses, and you got to know them in order to, to employ that third art of replacing the lie or the toxic thought with what we call a truth lead. So as 21st century Christians, we believe the Bible is true right? We believe it's the inerrant word of God, inspired by God, and that that men, humankind, were able to put together in, in this book format, all right? There are many, many, many books of the actual Bible. To have a new translation was so curious to me, and I've never really thought about how some of the translations came into being. So it was indeed a privilege to have Rod on, on the show and for him to give us a little sneak peek into behind the scenes of what it takes to do a Bible translation. I also asked him, okay, what's the difference between a translation and a paraphrase? You're going to want to listen to that part too. And stay tuned to the very end because we get a little bit more personal. Matter of fact, he says something about the Bible and a way to look at it, a way that the Bible can transform your life in a way. He gave a metaphor, gave an, a picture image of something I had never considered before. And I won't forget it. I will love that image and that thought, and I will apply it to my life because I wanted to know what difference the Bible made in his life. So there are so many aspects to this particular interview that I think you're really going to enjoy. Some of it is just the absolute basics. What is a translation? What is a paraphrase? How did you get this team together to actually do this? By what authority, for example, did you do this? And what are your credentials? You've heard some of his but the whole team, what, what gave you that authority? So we're going to get into some of that. We're going to get into why this particular translation is similar to the NASB, for example, and other modern translations, very similar. They're true to the text, but they've added this these visual aids, study aids, and teaching aids to help you make the Bible much more readable and easier to understand, if you will, because your mind will make associations with those visual aids like a chart or a highlighted passages or a law code written in a law code format. Your, your brain is going to connect the dots there and make it seem much more easier for you to understand and to read. And then we end, of course, with the personal application. So stay tuned. You're in for such a treat. Well, Rod, welcome to the show. Thank you, Victoria. It's wonderful to be here with you today. Yes, and we're just going to jump in right out of the gate. And I want to simplify things for our audience. Can you define what is a Bible translation? I'm talking very basic here, but the where I'm going is what's the difference between a biblical translation and a paraphrase? Could you talk about that just a little bit? Set yes, the foundation sure. for us. Yes, a Bible translation is taking a manuscript in one language and presenting it in a second language. The difficulty is to express the thought of the writer in the original language in this new language, in the second language, which we call the receptor language, in a way that communicates the original thought of the original writer. So when the text says, as, it, as the Bible does in one place, God speaks speaking to uh, Israel, and he says, if you have set your face 
Well, I dare say you have never spoken to anybody and mentioned to them the idea of setting their face. What God was saying is, if you've made up your mind, or we could express it as, if you're determined to, we translate a literal Bible translation, we present, if you set your face, but that doesn't communicate the idea well. So the NIV, which is a thought-for-thought thought translation, will say, if you have made up your mind, or it might say, I, I think in the readable Bible, we might have said, if you are determined. Either way, we've presented the thought in different words than the literal translation. Now, a paraphrase goes even further away from the original words. It, it could say something like, well, I guess you're going to you know, that expresses that somebody's made up their mind or they're determined to do something, but in a whole different way. And uh, you can go even further from that. You people that are going to do this, that would be the way the message might express it. So the readable Bible is primarily a literal translation, but on occasion where the literal translation does not present words that people would understand we go to a thought-for-thought thought translation, but every time there is a thought-for-thought thought translation in the readable Bible, there's a footnote, and it gives you the actual words, so you can decide how you think that thought should be expressed. Mm, very good. Thank you for that. My mind is just going toward apologetics and defending our faith. Mm -hmm. One of the criticisms that we take as Christians is the mere fact that there are so many translations of the Bible yes. because people say, well, just pick your flavor. It can be so loosely interpreted in, in those ways. And how would you defend like the accuracy of your work here in this amazing translation, the readable Bible? How would you even defend your faith essentially saying, look, I've stayed true to the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic. I've done X, Y, Z. I know you're highly credentialed. My viewers, the audience already knows that. Do you have any comment on that? That's kind of where I was even going with yes. the paraphrase versus a translation. Are there any dangers in either of those? Or what should we look for? Actually, the danger is in a very, very literal translation when the reader does not understand what it means. Let's take the King James translation. And the King James translation says, let your conversation be. Well, conversation to us is what we say. Conversation in middle, early Middle English, when the King James Bible was translated, means how you live your life. The danger in translation is that we're not using words that communicate the original person's thought. When Arabs, in particular, talk about the Koran, there's only one Koran. It's in Arabic, and you have to speak Arabic. Well, if you don't understand Arabic and you memorize the Koran, it doesn't help you one bit at all. It's very difficult to argue about this, to, to, uh, to defend, not because it's wrong, but because people don't have a lot of understanding. If I speak French, I talk about chemin de fer which means road of iron. 
Well, road of iron in English is railroad. You wouldn't want me to keep talking about the road of iron if I were translating a French text. Thought for thought translation is the best way to communicate what the original writer was saying. It can be expressed as in the example I gave, if your mind is made up or you are determined, they are two different sets of words, but they express the same thought. Different translations express the same thought using different words, but it's the same thought and it gets communicated better. And the reader that has the advantage of two or three translations really gets an understanding of the thought better because he sees it presented two or three ways. It's when you have only one translation that you're more likely to err in what you read. Can you tell us about the team that that was available to you, the team that actually put this readable Bible together? No team was available to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was coming back from Afghanistan, having done a little bit of work with the underground church and with the uh, uh, some humanitarian work there. Um, I was tired. I was in the airport. I believe it was in Detroit or Minneapolis. I was looking for a book to read, and God said to me, why are you looking for a book to read? You have a Bible in your briefcase. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's an embarrassing question. Lord, your book's hard <laughs> to read. Why is my book hard to read? How do you answer that question? So uh, I walked over to the nonfiction books, and I discovered, my goodness, we present facts in all different kinds of formats, and the, and the Bibles are always just narrative. Well, um, nobody had ever presented the Bible in modern formats, and there was nobody working on anything like that, and I didn't know anybody's working on anything like that. So I spent a full year. I read through the whole Bible, identified every kind of information. I identified the kinds of formats that we would use today to present those 23 kinds of information that are in the Bible that are normally presented in 17 different formats in nonfiction books. And I started working on Uh, Could I take an existing translation and just reformat it? Well, no, people wouldn't let me take Adam made love to Eve and she gave birth to Seth. People insist that I have the words, whereas we know that if you have the word Adam, ampersand Eve, and a downstroke, a line over here with a downstroke and the word Seth, that communicates the thought, Adam made love to Eve and she gave birth to Seth. That's the thought. In the readable Bible, we use the modern forms to present the thought sometimes instead of every single word. Well, nobody that had an existing translation was going to let me do that, so I had to find a way to do it. I translated the the, uh, Pentateuch and Psalms and then the New Testament, putting them into modern formats. A man named Dr. Brendan Kennedy heard what I was doing, and he got in touch with me. He wanted to work on the project. Uh, We put together Bot Radio Network, ran thousands of public service announcements saying there's a new Bible being developed in modern format. Would you like to be a part of the project? 450 people joined us when we would, when Dr. Kennedy and I would finish a book, uh, like we got Genesis to where we're satisfied with the translation and the formatting. We'd offer it to the 450 people. Typically, 50 people would take it that we had scholars. We had professors at universities. We had people like yourself who just love the word and read it all the time. We had all kinds of people. Uh, They proofread looking for errors. They 
also made suggestions as to how to make it flow easier, easier to read. And um, the team just kind of came together that way. God led us to uh, the person who was, uh, according to the person who was in charge of a lot of their Bible translation, he told me, this woman is our go-to person for proofreading, and she's just retired. So I called her and told her what we were doing. She was excited about it, and she got involved in the project. I called David Barrett, who um, uh, has a website, BibleMapper.com, and I told him I was going to put a map in the readable Bible everywhere anybody moves. So when you're reading the page, you don't have to go to try and find a map in the back of the book that tells you what's yes. happening. Uh, at every battle in Joshua and in Kings and in Chronicles, there's a map right there showing you every movement. And uh, I told David what I was doing, and he gave me permission to use all their maps to draw wow. the lines on. And uh, on every every action line where Joshua went from here to here, uh, there's a, a chapter number, colon, and verse number on the line. So when you look at the map, mm. you can find it in the text. When you look in the text, you can find it on the map. So uh, God just led us to people. People gave us permission to use work they had in, um, and joined us in doing the work. We had all together, I've never counted, I would guess 40 or 50 people involved in the project, sometimes 20 at a time. Uh, many, many experienced proofreaders and Bible editor type people. I literally spent uh, my wife's and my <laughs> lifetime savings when I started when I was 65, I'm 80 now. It came out in November. And um, instead of lifetime savings to depend upon, we had the readable Bible. <laughs> I put it on the bed when I got first copy and said, Lord, I spent 14 years in my basement doing this. Give me 10 more years of life. I'm an extrovert. I want to get out and uh, give me 10 more men I can bring to you that'll do the work I'm doing when I die. But this book is yours. I just ask you to do with it what you will and uh, leave it at that. I asked one thing. I said, when I met John Herring, the owner of Iron Stream Media, and he saw what we were doing, he said, I'd be honored to publish that, but I can't afford to bring out a new Bible. And we said to him, we would rather have a publisher that couldn't afford to bring it out, that had to depend, depend on God, so that when the world knows about it, we'll know God did it. Wow. And you're what part a story. Of what a story. Kenneth Taylor um, couldn't get anybody to publish the Living Bible. Did you know that? No. He, could, he was a senior editor at Moody Press. Nobody would touch a paraphrase of the Bible. So he and his wife mortgaged their house, printed the living letters. Billy Graham saw them, contacted him and said, would you give me permission to print 10,000 of these? And I'll give you, I think it was a nickel a piece or 15 cents a piece. And he said, yes. Billy Graham ended up printing tens of thousands of the living letters, distributing them at his crusades. And mm. that's how the living Bible became known. We're waiting to see what God does with a readable Bible. Oh, I bet. I bet. Well, Rod, you mentioned 23 kinds or types of information. Yes. And I'm assuming that maps would be one type of information. What else? Well, actually, I don't consider about? a map a type of information. No? But that's interesting. It's, it's We have historical narrative. We provide okay. the map as an aid. The okay. Bible has historical narrative. It has genealogies. It has law code. It has poems. Poetry. It has letters. It has theological, deep theological passages. Uh, I saw a book once that had a page and a half 
with commas and semicolons before the next period appeared. Romans is almost that way sometimes. All these kinds of information are best presented in specific formats. Historical narrative is well presented in just plain text. Sure. That's what we're used to. But on page one of any Bible, you have several paragraphs describing creation. But as a reader, I'm not interested in how the Modern Language Association or how the Chicago Manual of Style tells me I should have that paragraph set up. I'm interested in the seven days of creation. So in the readable Bible on page one, your eye immediately sees in, in bold text, day one, day two, day three, day four, five, six, and seven. And then there's the text there, same as the, reads the same as the ESV or as the NASB or the American Standard Version. Our texts are very much the same, but because you see seven days, you, your mind knows immediately what it's going to be reading about and how it's divided. So when you're reading the text, it's much easier to understand. In any Bible, the Ten Commandments, now this is a list of commands, right? It's a list. Mm -hmm. The Ten Commandments appear as two or three paragraphs just written across the page. But in the readable Bible, when you turn the page, you suddenly see Roman numeral 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. You see a heading, it says the Ten Commandments. And before you read the text, you immediately know I'm looking at a list of commands. Now, the Ten Commandments start out, I am the Lord your God, you shall have no other God before you. Then we have, you shall have no graven image. And then there's commentary on that. So in the readable Bible, you see the primary text, honor your mother and father in bold print. So when you look at the page, you see all 10 commandments immediately jump out at you as opposed to three paragraphs that you've got to find the Ten Commandments in. The book of Leviticus, very hard to read. When's the last time you said, I sat down and said, I'm going to read Leviticus today? <laughs> not lately. That? No, not lately. Oh, no. <laughs> because you see, Leviticus is law code. Right. All law books are structured today with Roman numeral one, letter A, little one and two, et cetera, et cetera. Leviticus in the readable Bible is structured as a law book, and it's so easy to read. It's just amazing. You may not even be aware, I dare say most of your audience is not aware, that right after the Ten Commandments, we have a law book within Exodus called the Book of the Covenant. Mm -hmm. In the readable Bible, the pages of that law book are presented on scroll paper, on parchment. So you see, this is a unit and that unit is all formatted like a law code, Roman numerals, mm -hmm. letters under the Roman numerals. So when you read the text, it's so easy to read. Specifications for furniture. Let's I imagine you're sitting at a desk. Right. If you want me to build that desk, I dare say you wouldn't send me a paragraph. You would send me a specification document. There'd be a little sketch of the desk at the top. Then it would say material, acacia wood, molding, pure gold all around it, width, height, so many cubits. No, we'd say inches. In the readable Bible, you have a specification document. Every word of the Hebrew text is there. So we have all these kinds of information presented in what is today 
their natural format. Gotcha. So you're just, if I get, if I really understand this correctly, I think what you're saying, Rod, is that you use these visual aids like charts, the pictures, the codification table. A census is in a census table. Tables. These are all visual aids that automatically, when we see them presented like that inside a book, our mind kind of processes that information in a much more natural kind of corresponding yes. way. Yes. But nothing's missing here. It's just all been nicely. It's all there in a different way, a little different, easier to read format. The original manuscripts had no upper and lower case, no mm -hmm. space between words, no vowels in the Hebrew, mm -hmm. no, no verse numbers, no paragraphs. But what believers did every time a new format was developed, they put the manuscript into the new format. So if you look at the Greek text and the Hebrew text that were available for the King James Bible, you discovered spaces between words. You, you found it much easier to, to translate. So the King James versions, the original versions, were all single line versions of verse 1, verse 2, verse 3. It wasn't until 1860 that Cambridge University Press decided, gee, the Bible ought to be in paragraphs. And the Cambridge Paragraph Bible was published in 1860, the first fully paragraphed Bible. Since 1860, there has been very little change in any formatting of the Bible. We are the first, the readable Bible is the first Bible to be completely formatted in what is normal in today's communication, in today's printed literature. So it's so much easier to read. I've received three emails in the last three weeks, all of which said basically the same thing, but about different books, one about Deuteronomy, one about Leviticus, and one about Ezekiel. And the letter said, I sat down to read Leviticus, and I was amazed. I read the first six chapters in no time and understood them. Wow. Another person wrote, I sat down to read a little bit of Deuteronomy, and before I knew it, I was at the end of the book. It's so simple to read the text that you just keep reading on, just like you read a Louis L'Amour Western. Wow. You know, I love this format in part because in historically in my own personal Bible studies, I would make unreal charts and even the genealogy because, or you're studying the right. Kings right. and which were the Kings who did good in the eyes of the Lord and which ones were the ones that didn't do so well and which prophet went, went with <laughs> which King. And, and it would just drive you nuts because you're trying to really own this material and understand it and make it all make sense. But without the visual aspect, I, it was so difficult. So I was telling no, my you husband. Need, you need aids. So, so in the readable yes. Bible, there's a page and it lists all the kings and it, yes. and it has a square. Each king is represented in a rectangle. And if it's yeah. a white rectangle, he's a good king. A green <laughs> rectangle, he's a bad king. And if he's a king who was good in the beginning of his reign, <laughs> bad in the end, the rectangle's divided in half. The top half is white, the bottom half is gray. <laughs> so when you're reading, you have the information right in front of you. That's right. Uh, it just makes me think, I'm like, which one are you going to be? <laughs> which one am I going to I hope I am the white one. Yeah. You know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We love it, right? But it's all in a sentence. In the readable Bible, we have the fruit of the spirit is, and then you have 
love, joy, peace, it's a list. And then you have the next column and the next column. So when your eye hits the page and it's, you see, oh, there's a list of things there. You don't have to go find it in the paragraph. And when tomorrow you realize yesterday I read the fruit of the spirit and what was that? Where was that? I don't know the verse number. I don't know the chapter in the readable Bible. You flip a few pages and you see the list immediately it jumps out. So modern formats make things easier to read, easier to comprehend, easier to remember, and easier to find. Yes, I love it. I just so applaud you. I was so delighted to to get my copy, read through it. And my first thing, I was skeptical though. And I think that's why I wanted to start from the get-go with, okay, another translation. Okay, are we sure it's true? Are we sure that right. we can say this is the authentic? authentic, inerrant word of God, inspired by God, written by man, and translated by man. So, so many people just say, oh, it's men who did that. It's human, humans did that. But I, I was just so delighted that um, after additional research and before I even agreed for the interview, because I want to be so careful, as careful as, as anyone can be, I suppose. Well, thank you for protecting God's word that way. Yeah, I wanted to, I didn't want to, you know, I think of the message, that paraphrase and how there are some pastors, some people who it's like, you got a message. Oh, mm, you know, don't do that. And <laughs> Well, you know, it does help people. The reason we have the paraphrase is because people have a hard time reading the standard translation. And what we've done is made it so anybody can read the standard translation. They no longer need a paraphrase. I'll tell you what, Victoria, this is going to sound absolutely crazy to you, <laughs> but I'll make a commitment to your listeners and your viewers. If anybody buys a readable Bible and they don't like it, they can send me an email or they can actually, they can just mail it to me. I believe our address is on the website. If it's not at readablebible.com, I'll get that address put in the bottom of the website. They can mail it to me and I'll give them their money back. Deal. I mean, That's a deal. I have no fears about that whatsoever. It's people love the readable Bible. Yes. I have to confess, I never liked Psalms. Mm -hmm. But when I translated Psalms and put them into cascading text and brought in the parallelism a Hebrew reader automatically experiences and expressed it in English. I've fallen in love with Psalms. You know the little ditty, tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest in the night? Did you learn that in high school? Yes, yes. Okay, if we put that in Hebrew, and the Hebrew text read tiger, tiger, then it had the verb burning and the adverb bright, brightly. We would translate that using standard translation techniques as, uh, let's see, the verb to be is assumed. There is a tiger, there is a tiger, it is burning brightly. Now you've lost all the punch. That's right. And what we've done in the readable Bible is work to minimize the words in Psalms. The average Hebrew line is about eight or 10 words, but in English, it comes out 12 or 16. Mm -hmm. We've worked to reduce those English words. And then we have structured parallelisms so that when you're reading it, I'm just going to have a little fun here and take this Bible and open it up to the middle and we'll find a Psalm here. Here I'm at Psalm 94. I've never read it before. Verse eight, but I say, pay attention, you senseless people, you fools. When will you understand? 
He who implanted the ear, doesn't he hear? He who formed the eye, doesn't he see? He who disciplines the pagan nations, won't he correct you? He who teaches, now did you hear the, when will you understand? He who implanted, he who formed, he who disciplines, he who teaches. Now I, I just opened this Bible up at random mm -hmm. and, I, and you see the parallelism in that Psalm? I do. You won't find that parallelism in other places. But that's what the Hebrew reader of the Hebrew text experiences. We hear how it's poetry, but in English, it doesn't come across in the readable Bible. It does. Yeah. And, you know, this also occurs to me, the people who really like to mark up their Bibles mm -hmm. and, you know, with different markers, colors, mm -hmm. symbols, this is going to be wonderful because it's the format is like really there and it's easier to group those same, you know, little thoughts and topics together. Right. It's, it's just very well done. And I, I'm so. Lots of white space to mark. Yes. There's plenty of place to mark. And um, one of the things I love also is that I'm, that I'm so excited about is that I, I study two Psalms every month and have podcast okay. episodes just about those. So I'm ready to, to, you know, use this and see the, the visual aspect and the study aids that you have to help me in my research of each of those Psalms. So I'm very excited about that in particular. For, for me, I, I love it. And even in my skepticism, I thought, okay, because I, <laughs> I tend to use the NASB, but I, I like right. the sound of the NIV. That's and been my Bible since I became a Christian. Me too. Yes, because they say that the NASB is closer rendering to the Greek, the original languages. I promise you that this is just as close a rendering with the difference that, as I stated before, when you have a phrase like set your face, we go right. to thought for thought. But the set your face is footnoted. So you always have the literal rendering before you on the page. Yes, I love that. As a matter of fact, I started comparing and I'm like, well, there's not much difference here. I'm like, okay, phew, I'm sure it's okay <laughs> for whatever reason. But I want to go just a teeny bit, maybe more personal as we kind of wrap this up, Rod. But I want to know about, and maybe you could just encourage the audience why is the Bible itself so important and how does it make a difference in how you actually live your life? Can you connect the dots between this biblical narrative, the, the words, the teachings, the message there, and actually what difference it makes in your life on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, God will connect it. Uh, and he says how. He says his word in Hebrews, I believe it's 412, is living, living and, and active, active and sharper than any two-edged sword. I like that old King James expression, what we call a broadsword, that mm. great big sword that the, the knights would slash, slash with. Well, God goes slash to your habits, and he goes slash to your anger, and he goes slash to the way you treat your wife, and he says kindness, and he says love, and he cuts and puts it in so it becomes in you. He lives in you. And the, well, on, the, on the spine of the readable Bible, it says living, living word. word. It's a, it, the word of God is living and active and it comes into you. I was um, 28 years old, very successful in business, uh, on airplanes all the time, consulting all over the country, corporate financial consulting, working for myself. 
working with with lots of corporations. But my and I had four wonderful kids and a wonderful wife. And my life was just a wreck, though. So I started reading the Bible. One night I read, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And I'd been confessing my sins to a, a human being and looking to get forgiveness through a human being. And then the Bible said, there is no mediator between God and man except Jesus Christ. So I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, wherever this leads, I got down on my knees and I said, wherever this leads, I will never again confess my sins to a human being. I will confess them to you because also I've read in the Bible, it said, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, confess them to him. So that's how I got saved one night all alone in my living room. Totally changed my life. And anybody who reads the Bible finds that it gets into them. God puts his word into our lives and changes the life. And that's why I wanted to have a Bible that a person like me, a mature adult, successful in business, uh, a good reader who just couldn't get any meaning out of the King James and even struggled with others. I wanted to make the Bible as easy to read as any other book on the shelf. Mm, mission accomplished. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> So my, my hope is that your audience, that your listeners will buy a readable Bible for themselves. Pray for John Herring for Iron Street Media. A company has said we don't have the resources to do this, but God wants us to. They have published it. <clears throat> buy it at christianbook.com or in a Christian bookstore. You can order it at any bookstore, Barnes & Noble's website. But I'd like to see you support Christians with it. Amazon has it. It's a higher price there than a Christian book. Very good. And how can folks actually reach out to you, Rod? Well, if somebody wants to contact me directly, they can send me an email to rod-laughlin at littlepresta.com. Very good. And I'll be sure and put all of this information in the links in the show notes and the YouTube description and the website again for the Bible itself. Where can folks go in that case? Readablebible.com. Got it. Okay. Well, thank you so much for just letting me share, you know, my, my first impressions, my skepticism, and now my admiration. Really, I just, I kind of stand in awe in, in what you've done. And this is a, a life's work, really incredible. So it's something that I'm sure will serve so many people and be such a blessing. And I applaud your efforts so much. So thank you for taking thank your you. time and agreeing to come on the Choose to Think podcast. Thank it's you so pleasure. much. And that's a wrap, Brain Changer. And listen, if you like what you hear, would you leave us a one to two sentence review at Apple Podcasts, share the link with a friend, or tag me on your share on social media? It would mean the world to me and would help us to keep shining the light of Christ and sharing the good news to others who are in need of encouragement. Please visit us on our website at choosetothink.co. That's with the number two, choosetothink.co, to get on our monthly newsletter list. And if you need a guest speaker for your next women's retreat or church event, I'm your gal. Email me at choose to think at gmail.com. And that's with the number two, choose to think at gmail.com. Finally, I offer limited free mentoring sessions each month where you and I can chat to help you develop a strategy for your thoughts in any area of your life. I'm a certified life coach and I have something to share. Visit choose to think.co and click on mentoring for more details. Also, keep in mind that the messages on this show are for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult your medical doctor 
for all medical issues. Thank you again for tuning in. God bless you.